Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website is scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, today we are resuming our study in the book of Romans, and we're ready for Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6 this morning. Now, up to this point and in continuing on in Romans chapter 5, Paul is going to continue the argument about justification is by faith. But he's going to start to transition and start talking about sinful behavior. Specifically how believers are to be dead to sin and how Christ has freed you from the power of sin. Whereas it seems to be that the common belief amongst Christians today and taught in churches today is that Jesus has freed you so that you can sin, right? But Jesus hasn't freed you to sin. He's freed you from sin. And that was a very easy and clear distinction to make throughout all of church history until today, until modern times, along with all the other apostasies we're dealing with. So, with that backdrop, I'm going to begin Romans chapter 5. Neither of these chapters are super long. They're about 20 verses apiece, 21 verses and 23 verses. I'm going to try to take it slow and break it down as best I can. And uh, my prayer is that you'll be blessed and that you'll be strengthened and encouraged by the Word of God this morning. I am going to read from the King James Version this morning. Um, we did our entire study of the book of Acts, and most of our study so far in the book of Romans out of the NASB, but it just, for me, it just lacks something. And... Maybe I'm just old school, so King James it is this morning. All right, enough rambling, enough stage setting. Let's have a look at the scriptures and see what they have to say for us this morning. Verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope, in in hope of the glory of God. So real quick, I'm going to try not to stop too much, but I want to make sure we understand what's being said here. The scripture, the verse starts with therefore. In other words, in light of everything we've talked about leading up to this point about justification by faith and how it's not by the law and how it's by faith only, and Abraham is our example. He's saying, therefore, we've been justified by faith, and because of that, we now have peace with God. And he's going to make the arguments here shortly that up until this point, we were enemies of God because of our sinful nature. But because of Christ, we now have peace with God. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, 
And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So please note, Paul's saying, hey, we not only glory in our peace that we now enjoy with God because of our faith in Jesus, but we also glory in tribulation and troubles, you know, problems that we in, in, that we endure because we know this fact that tribulation, trouble, adversity works in us patience. It gives us experience and practice, basically, hoping and trusting in God. I have to admit, I've, I struggle with that. Like when the trouble thing happens, uh, just, you know, even just recently, I got pretty sick, still not feeling great. It's, you know, so I'm about a week removed. And uh, might have grumbled a little bit through some of that. And we need to understand that, hey, God allows these things in our lives sometimes to produce fruit, to work patience in us, to give us some experience, to prep us to be who he's trying to make us to be. Verse 6, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So please note, Paul's saying, hey, you know what? Maybe in some really rare circumstance, somebody might dare to die for a righteous person. Right? Maybe for a good person. I mean, you might find an example where that could happen. But God loved us so much that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. We weren't even we weren't righteous people or good people or people worthy of being, uh, you know, of dying for. And yet God loved us enough that that's what happened. Verse nine. Much more then being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Please note again, people, here's, here's what people who have made a pet doctrine out of pre-tribulation rapture will do. They'll say, oh, that's talking about the rapture. Because they do this with so many other scriptures that say wrath, when that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about eternal damnation. Because of the blood, we are saved from God's final judgment, meaning eternal damnation. That's what it means also when the scriptures say we're not appointed to wrath, but to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. The context is about eternal salvation, not about end times doctrine. Continuing on. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, that all have sinned, for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So please note, there's a mouthful here. Paul's saying that sin entered the world by one man's sin. In other words, like it or not, we are sinful at birth. We carry the sin gene, if you will. Like we are right out of the womb, we're guilty. And Paul's making the point, look, even before the law, that was the case. And all the way from Adam to Moses, people were still sinful. So before even the law of Moses was given. And that's carried on through him. But then he's going to go on to say, but just like sin entered the world by one man, salvation comes to the world by one man, that man being Jesus Christ. So verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as if it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in the life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to con condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's how chapter 5 ends. Now, he's made the point for a while, for several chapters. It's all by faith, right? Like you're actions can't save you. you have to believe upon christ now one argument that i make over and over and over and i've made three videos in the last week and a half dealing with basically this very thing that your actions matter because your actions demonstrate what you truly believe so if i really do and really have trusted in christ for salvation and i understand that my justification is by faith alone the result will be that my behavior changes because I'm no longer dominated by sin because I've been set free by the one who saved me. Okay? It's a pretty easy concept to understand. Let's take a look. Chapter 6, Paul.
Paul's going to really nail this home. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So please note, it's very clear. Paul's saying, should we go on sinning so that grace will abound? By no means. You should be different. You should be dying to sin. You shouldn't be living that way. And then he says, okay, so we're not under the law. He's speaking of justification and, and salvation. We're not under the law. We're under grace. But should we continue in sin because we're under grace? No, he says, God forbid that you should do that. Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You can only serve one master, right? So who is it? Is sin your master or is God your master? Is sin your master or is righteousness your master? The, the answer is easy to answer. Which one are you obeying? Okay. Verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that from that form of doctrine which was delivered you. B. 
Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants unto righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit you had then in those things whereof you are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit in holiness, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is the end of Romans chapter 5 and 6. Let me give you a short paragraph filled with some pretty big words by Matthew Henry as he deals with what he believes Paul is trying to do here in chapter 6. Here's what Matthew Henry says. He says, The apostle having at large asserted, opened, and proved the great doctrine of justification by faith, Please note. So Matthew Henry starts with saying, okay, Paul's went out of his way. He's made it clear. He's proved the doctrine of justification by faith, comma, for fear lest any should suck poison out of that sweet flower and turn the grace of God into wantonness and lasciviousness. So let's stop right there. He's saying, Okay, Paul went to great lengths. He proved the doctrine of justification by faith, but he's afraid that somebody out there is going to become a greasy gracer. And they're going to take that sweet uh, flower and turn it into poison. So let me read that part. Let me just start over and I'll stop interrupting. The apostle having at large asserted, opened and proved the great doctrine of justification by faith... For fear lest any should suck poison out of that sweet flower and turn the grace of God into wantonness and lasciviousness, he with like a zeal, copiousness of expression, and congency of argument, presses the absolute necessity of sanctification and a holy life as the inseparable fruit and companion of justification. For wherever Jesus Christ is made of God unto any soul righteousness, he is made of God unto that soul sanctification. The water and the blood came streaming together out of that pierced side of the dying Jesus. And what God thus joined together, let us not dare to put asunder. Matthew Henry's saying what Paul is saying is that sanctification and a holy life are inseparable fruits. They're companions of justification. So while justification, meaning just as I've never sinned, you know, being right with God, being reconciled to God through the blood of Christ is all by faith, the fruit of that truth is righteousness and holiness. That is a message that the church 
needs today, isn't it? You don't have a license to sin. You've, if you've been made new, you're free from the power of sin. That's not to say that you don't sin. It's saying it ought not rule over you. And don't you dare pervert the grace of God by thinking, well, Christ died for me, I can do as I please. That's not the heart of a true Christian. True Christians are grieved by sin. Can I read you one quote from Charles Spurgeon, which is very, very strong. But that's what we need today. And then I'll end. Here's what he says. If you can sin and not weep over it, you are an heir of hell. If you can go into sin and afterwards feel satisfied to have done so, you are on the road to destruction. If there are no prickings of conscience, no inward torments, no bleeding wounds, if you have no throbs and heavings of a bosom that cannot rest, if your soul never feels filled with wormwood and gall when you know you have done evil, you are no child of God. Hard truth, but truth nonetheless. I pray you've been blessed this morning. Thank you for your support and helping me make this podcast possible. If you have time to pray for me, please pray for me. I have been miserable feeling bad. So uh, I could use some prayer uh, to be re-strengthened. And I would really, really appreciate that. So please consider praying for me. And thank you for supporting this broadcast. That's all I have for you this morning. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again soon. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.